I'd like for us to open tonight to the book of Ephesians, chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, and we're going to read two verses here right at the very end of the chapter, verses 20 and 21 of Ephesians 3. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you this evening for your grace. We thank you for your mercies that are new every morning. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit to teach us and to to guide us into all truth. And we ask that you would do that now. Open up your word to us, feed us, cause our faith to rise, cause our eyes to see. Lord, we pray for glimpses of you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to encourage you tonight regarding God's ability to answer your prayers in astounding ways. Here in Ephesians 3, Paul himself had just finished praying for these Ephesian believers in verses 14 to 19, and he ends in verse 19 by asking that these believers would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge and that they would be filled up to all the fullness of God. But Paul anticipates the doubt that the Ephesians might have concerning this last request. Really, Paul? All the fullness of God? That's a bit much. And so Paul ends this section by reminding them that the God to whom he is praying is not only able to fulfill that request, he's able to do far more abundantly beyond that. And I want to remind you of that same truth here this evening. There are prayer requests represented in the body here tonight that seem just as impossible to us as Paul's prayer did to these Ephesians. There are souls that need to be saved. There are sins that need to be overcome. There are healings that we would long to see. There are homes that need to get sold and homes that need to get fixed up. There are workers who need jobs here tonight and many other things besides. And for the folks who are shouldering these burdens, the answers often don't just seem unlikely, they seem impossible. It's not so much that this or that prayer request won't be answered. It's the feeling that it can't be answered. It's simply too big. It's too much. But right into the midst of that fear, this verse comes flashing like lightning. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. And I want us to start here tonight by first considering this phrase, him who is able. Verse 20, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. Oftentimes we are not helped by verses like this one because when we hear that God is able to do something, we automatically interpret that 
in terms of human ability. And in some ways, that's only natural. After all, as human beings, one of the main ways that we learn is by comparison and generalization. So we take things that we don't understand and we compare them with things that we do understand and then we draw a conclusion that can be applied to the unknown. We do that all the time. For example, the Bible says that God loves his children and I may not know what that means, but I know what it means for me to love my children and so that must be the way that God is, right? Only more so. The Bible says that God is able to do this thing or that thing. And I don't know what that means fully, but I know what it's like for me to be able to do something. And so that must be what God is like, only more so. You get the idea. God's wisdom is like our wisdom, only higher. God's strength is like our strength, only greater, etc. But what you end up with when you do that is a God who is basically a really big human and who has all of the abilities that we have just in a greater degree. But that line of thinking leaves us with a really distorted view of God. Why? Because there is an infinite difference between the creator and the creature. He is the creator. We are the creature. And our wisdom and strength can no more approach his wisdom and strength than someone who spends their entire life counting numbers can approach infinity. You can never get closer to something that is an infinite distance away from you. And beloved, God's wisdom is not just higher than ours. It's infinitely higher than ours. His strength is not just stronger than our strength. It's infinitely stronger than our strength. And His ability to accomplish His desires is infinitely greater than our ability to accomplish our desires. Let me give you an illustration. If my wife asks me, to go to the store to get a gallon of milk, I might respond by saying, sure, I'm able to do that. I can do that. But what I'm really saying is, sure, I will try to the best of my ability to do that. Right? Because the reality is that there are all kinds of things that could happen which could keep me from accomplishing my goal. Multitude of things. I get out to the car, and the car won't start. Or I get the car to start, and I go, and I run out of gas on the way. Or I get a flat tire. Or the battery dies. Or I have a heart attack. Or I get into an accident. Or I get to the store, finally, and they're out of milk. Right? You see what I'm getting at here? The point is that there are all kinds of external constraints that I could run into that would keep me from achieving my purpose. Things outside of me that I can't know ahead of time, things that I can't control, which would keep me from getting that milk. 
But, beloved, there is no such thing as an external constraint for God. There's nothing outside of God that can stop him from accomplishing what he desires. Nothing catches him off guard. There's never any unforeseen circumstance that can hinder him. Oh, I didn't know that was going to be there. Nothing occurs that is outside of his sovereign will. All of his infinite attributes, his power, his wisdom, all of them work together to accomplish his purposes. Psalm 115.3, but our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases, period. And he doesn't wring his hands about it. He's not frustrated. This also means that there is no such thing as degrees of difficulty for God. Sometimes I buy these little brain teaser puzzles, and actually I usually get them for Charles because I'm not very good at them, but there are these little metal puzzles made up of cast metal shapes that are tangled together, and you have to be able to untangle them and then put them back together. Little brain teasers. And when you go to buy one, they put a difficulty rating on the box so that you know what you're getting into. And so maybe this one has a one on it, and that's on the lower end of the difficulty range. It's supposed to be somewhat easy for some people. (laughs) Uh, Another one might have a three, which is in the middle, you know, and then there's six which I think is the highest on these kind that I get, which means it's virtually impossible for the average human to solve. But you see, that's exactly the way that we often picture God. Here's God, and he's got all of our prayer requests in front of him. And he's going, well, that's a one. That's no problem. I'll take care of that one right away. Now, this one is a four. Better think about that one a little bit more. Puts that off to the side. Whoa, this one is a six. Mm, That's definitely going to have to wait a while. Can't do that one. But do you see how foolish that is? There's no such thing as a difficulty rating when you're God. He speaks galaxies into existence. Just speaks. Mars. And there's Mars. Out of nothing. Do you think it's too difficult for him to get you a job? Do you think it's too difficult for him to save your loved ones? Spoke the universe into existence. The Bible teaches that nothing... Is too difficult for the Lord. But the reason why nothing is too difficult for him is because nothing is difficult for him. So when Paul says here, now to him who is able, we have to keep these things in mind. His ability is infinite, it's omnipotent, and it's utterly unconstrained by anything outside of his own 
good pleasure. Totally unconstrained by anything outside of Him. And that ought to encourage your prayer life. Because He's the one that you're speaking to when you get down on your knees. But, notice here that Paul doesn't just say that God is able to answer our prayers. Paul says that God is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. A few years ago, I tried studying some basic physics. I didn't pay much attention in high school to physics, so I thought I'd try to brush up on it later on in life, which didn't work so well. But one thing that I realized pretty quickly is that it's very easy, and this is true in almost any field, but it's very easy to read over a piece of information without really getting your mind around what you just read. So, for example, take something as basic as the speed of light. The speed of light, we're used to thinking in miles per hour, right? Drive your car miles per hour. The speed of light is 671 million miles per hour. Now, that means nothing to you, right? It's just a number. You can't even, you can't visualize that. You can't conceptualize that. It's a meaningless statement. So I say, okay, well, what about this? Light travels at 186,000 miles per second. Maybe a little better. So I say, all right, I'll give you an illustration. If you're standing on the equator of the Earth and you fired a beam of light around the equator, that beam of light would travel seven and a half times around the equator in one second. That's the speed of light. See, that helps you visualize. You can kind of grasp it a little bit when you have an illustration like that. You can at least begin to get some kind of feel for it. And see, the danger with a verse like this is that we simply read over it in the same way that we read about the speed of light. And so out there that we can't even begin to visualize it or conceptualize it unless we slow down and consider what Paul is really saying here. And so that's what I want us to do in the next few minutes using an illustration. Imagine if you made a list tonight of the top 100 blessings that you would like to receive from God. 100 things. Top 100 answers to prayer, no matter how seemingly impossible those things might be. Think about that. Things that you would desire for yourself, things that you would desire for others for the glory of God, for the advancement of His kingdom, and for your joy. What would be on the list? Maybe that all of your family members would be converted. Maybe that you would overcome some besetting sin. Maybe that there would be an outpouring of the Spirit on campus or in the jail. Whatever your list would look like, imagine this list. hundred things impossible things that you would want from the Lord. Now, how incredible would it be if God did even one-fourth of those things? 25 out of 100. 
25 of those impossible things. That'd be amazing. What if he did half of those things on your list? But what if he actually did three-fourths of the things on the list? Seventy-five out of a hundred of these impossible answers to prayer. It would be beyond comprehension. But you see, even that doesn't go far enough, does it? Because Paul says that God is able to do all that we ask or think. Not 75 out of 100. He says all, 100 out of 100. And yet, even that falls pathetically short of what Paul says here, doesn't it? Because he actually says that God is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. Do you hear what he's saying? What does he mean? Well, imagine giving this list of 100 things to the Lord. And the Lord looks at it and he says, you know, you could really add something to this one. Like, you could make this better, so I'm going to add some things here. I'm going to make this one a little bit even better than what you were thinking. So instead of answering our requests as written, he improves them and adds more to them, and then he answers all 100 of them, right? That's what Paul is saying, that God is able to do. It's incredible. Is it any wonder then that Paul ends this section by saying, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. You might say, yeah, but surely that promise isn't for every Christian. But what does Paul go on to say? He says, God is able to do these things, end of verse 20, according to the power that works within us. Well, us who? She's talking about just the early apostles. No, he's talking about every Christian, the power that works within every Christian. Go back to Ephesians chapter 1. This power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that's at work in every believer, the power of the Holy Spirit. All Christians have the power of the Holy Spirit working inside of them. Therefore, this promise applies to all Christians, from the least to the greatest of them. It's an encouragement for every believer that God is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that you could ask or think in prayer. But at this point, you might be worried about something. You might be thinking, yes, God is able, but is he willing? Because that's a separate issue. He's able to do all of these incredible things in answer to prayer, but is he willing to do them? Because if God is able, but not willing, then everything that we've said tonight is worthless to us. In that case, God would be like a wealthy old miser who has enough riches to bless a vast multitude but is unwilling to let any of it go. So is that what God is like? Is he able to do far more abundantly beyond but not willing to do far more abundantly beyond? That's the question. And I just want to answer that concern 
as we wrap up here, I want to answer that concern with the word of God itself. Matthew 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who when his son asks for a loaf will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, Jesus says in John 14 that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. He's willing. In that day, you will not question me about anything. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, so that your joy may be made full. James, you... Have not because you ask not. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, and he is, who is against us, he who did not spare his own son but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? You see how willing he is to answer In the words of John Newton, thou art coming to a king, large petitions with thee bring. For his grace and power are such, none can ever ask too much. Large petitions with thee bring. Why? Paul tells us here, Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church, and in Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. What an encouragement to pray. What an encouragement to ask God for big things, large petitions with thee bring. For thou art coming to a king.